Amen, and thanks to our choir this morning and musicians for all that they've given to us. And as we move into this look at the Prince of Peace, continuing from Isaiah, we'll hear more words to us that tell us of the glory of God, just as they have sung it. This morning, we hear uh, this passage from Isaiah 11 that concludes with, um, well, toward the end, verses 6 through 9, our description of the peaceable kingdom. You'll recognize that when I get to that. Um, And then I, I have a book recommendation to make to you. So let's hear this word of God that comes to us from the 11th chapter of Isaiah, beginning with the first verse. A shoot shall come out from the stock of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his eyes ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor. And decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nations shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, you had the description of the the cow and the bear shall graze, and the wolf shall live with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid. Um, I did... uh, have this book in my library and, and uh, would just love to loan it out to some of you. It's called, And the Beagles and the Bunnies Shall Lie Down Together, The Theology of Charles Schultz, writer of, of course, Charlie Brown and Peanuts. But uh, if you'd like to take a look at that, it's, this is a tremendous description of what the peaceable kingdom might be like that we get from Isaiah. You know, I've been uh, sitting up here as the service has been progressing and just taking it all in and, and hearing the children, and I, I love it. Now, I have to tell our guests here, don't y'all worry about that. Every little, little utterance out of a child is just another prayer that says, thank you, Lord, that we have children with us in church. Amen? <laughs> Amen. And, if you know, if you see me look at you with a little pleading look on my face and I'm distracted and the sermon stinks, they're you to that, so don't worry about that out there. Just keep carrying on. You know, this close to Christmas, I just have to tell my favorite story about Christmas shopping. There were two gentlemen whose, laid, whose uh, wives decided that they were going to go Christmas shopping, but the, the men decided they weren't going to have anything to do with it. 
So they decided they would get out in the uh, sailboat that one of them had, about a 25-footer, so substantial enough to, uh, I'd say that's kind of substantial, wouldn't it be, Jimmy? Might not be as big as yours, but, um, but big enough that it was hard to push around. So they, they got out into the, into the bay where they were, and um, after a while, it was uh, cool, but not too bad. It was not like this weather out here right now, but uh, they got grounded on a sandbar and uh, they maneuvered as best they could they moved sails around worked with the rudder you know um, just couldn't couldn't get it to move at all and so they finally gave up and they said we're just gonna have to get out and in the water so they jump out and they're up to water up to their chest and they're standing in this muddy sandy sort of stuff down there and the wind is blowing and the waves are beating against the side of the boat and they're pushing and pulling and one of them turns to the other one and says sure beats Christmas shopping doesn't it (laughs) I'd say that have to be true (laughs) I went out yesterday afternoon and there were cars everywhere just all over the place and I you know I I love Christmas shopping from time to time (laughs) Uh, but I just can't imagine seeing cars yesterday what Black Friday must have looked like did any of you go out on Black Friday huh some of you only a few of you were brave enough, I see. Did you go out early, real early? Oh, yes. Did you get the big deal? I hope so. <laughs> well, I mean, Black Friday, lots of folks are out there, of course, and everybody's shopping, trying to get in their Christmas shopping as fast as they can. But I, I can just imagine it was wild. I was not about to venture to go, but Thank goodness they gave us Cyber Monday so that we could stay home and shop, you know, right where we are. I thought that was a good move. But it's just crazy out there. You know, a visitor to our world at Christmas time would have to wonder what in the world is going on with all the lights and the decorations and the trees. And if it was yesterday, the parades and the festivities and the religious services, they'd probably say, what's all the fuss about? What in the world is going on? There was this uh, old pioneer who was traveling westward through the Great Plains and he came to this abrupt stop at the edge of the Grand Canyon, you know, a mile deep and 18 miles across and 100 miles long. And he said, something must have happened here. Well, indeed, it had the cynical person, though, taking a look at all of this Christmas stuff might say, well, it's not really anything. Uh, Sure, it's crazy, but it's it's just all about the money. They wouldn't have all this craziness if somebody didn't see a way that they could make a buck out of it. But something did happen. Something did happen here. All the hubbub, all the shopping, all the singing, all the bell ringing, all the goodwill. It's all because God made a way at Christmas. God came to our world on the first Christmas and made a way, a way for all that is broken to be mended, broken spirits, broken promises, broken dreams, and more than anything else, broken relationships. God made a way, the way of peace. It's an old tradition that's mentioned in Isaiah's uh, passage for today. The references to Jesse, 
the stump of Jesse that we hear about over and over again. Now, maybe you've forgotten a little bit about this. Let me refresh your memory. Who was Jesse? Anyone? Ah, King David's dad, that's right. I think I heard that over there too, right? Uh, King David's dad. And King David was, you know, the, perhaps the finest of the Israelite kings. Second Samuel 7 gave ancient Israelites the promise of a king who would be, in Isaiah's words, a shoot or a branch from the tree stump, the stump of Jesse. And here God speaks through Nathan the prophet and, and uh, gives David some promises. Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, God is speaking to Nathan. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture. Remember, David was a shepherd boy. I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, to be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name like a name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they may live in their own place and be disturbed no more and evildoers shall afflict them no more as formerly from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come forth from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Pretty good promise, isn't it? And of course, David establishes Jerusalem, the city of David, where the the temple is eventually built by Solomon. God's relationship with David was symbolic of God's covenant relationship with God's people of Israel. David, however, was the shoot, the branch from the stump of Jesse where it all seemed to begin. And we get, you know, some references in some of the genealogies in the New Testament back to David's lineage even, I mean, Jesus' lineage even back to David. Now, I don't know about you, but I've got some ligustrum bushes in my front yard. And there's an ongoing uh, battle about these ligustrum bushes from time to time because I love about every four years to get out the chainsaw and do some whacking. And, um, you know, maybe you have some bushes like this at your house and I see a couple of elbows and nudges and all because, you know, uh, when, when they're like this tall and you cut them down to about right here, you know, you just think they're going to die. They're, they're just going to be done for. But then about February or early March or something like that, you see a little shoot starts to come out of the top of what's left. There was, a, there was a gentleman at a Traceway Manor in Tupelo who lived to be 103 years old. His name was Dr. Foster. He was a dentist. And uh, everybody out there at Traceway Manor, which is a Methodist retirement facility, of course, of independent departments, and um, they each had a little patio garden that they could uh, tend. And some had bushes. They didn't want to do a whole lot with them. Some folks had flowers, and they wanted to do a pretty good bit with them. But some, like Dr. Foster, had a tomato plant or two. 
And so he cut a stick and, and put a stake in the ground. And I promise you, within two weeks, there was a shoot growing up out of the stake that he had stuck in the ground. Dr. Foster was just that way. But just when you think something's dead and gone, just when you think it's useless, not going to get anything out of it anymore, the shoot springs up. That's what's being communicated in Isaiah's passage for today. The stump of Jesse, Jesse's dead and gone. But David lives. The shoot, the branch out of the stump of Jesse lives. And then we find that the words about this shoot, this branch out of the stump of Jesse comes to refer to the messianic deliverer that's to come. And then, lo and behold, we find that Jesus is is that one who is the true shoot, the branch upon which everything will be built in God's kingdom. Even when you think out of nothing hope can spring, sometimes you can be living a defeated life. That's how it felt in Isaiah's day. In Isaiah's day, they were yearning for peace. They were looking for that deliverer. They were looking for the shoot, the branch, to come from the stump of Jesse. But they lived in a terrible place. They lived on what's called a land bridge. If, uh, if, you, if I can give you a little bit of description using some sanctuary geography, uh, let's say that this is the Jordan River flowing down between these two sections here. And over, over here, we've got the hill country uh, of the Transjordan that leads down into the desert, and it is, a, it is a dry, arid place. You don't want to go unless you have to. Now, over here on this side of the Jordan, though, you've got the, the, um, the land that is farmed and, and tilled, especially up in northern Israel, a uh, beautiful area. Uh, looks a lot like Mississippi, actually. You've got the hills of Judea leading down to a coastal plain. Well, there's only one area through which an army from Assyria or Babylon up there in the north or from Rome over in the west or from Egypt down in the south could march to get to the other. And that's straight across this land bridge that was the country of Palestine, Judea and Israel in the northern kingdom. So, as much as Isaiah's people yearned for peace, it was hard to come by. Because even if they weren't involved in a war, they were involved in somebody else's war because somebody was always tromping through. Well, it didn't seem that the peace for which they yearned, they would find. But from Jesse's stump came David, offshoot of a new nation from Jesse's stump would come a Messiah, a mighty deliverer to restore Zion. From Jesse's stump comes Jesus to make a way, bringing together even those who have never been able to walk hand in hand. And Isaiah speaks of what happens when that takes place. The wolf shall live with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid. Oh, my. Cats and dogs living together. <laughs> Rebels and bulldogs getting along. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Majors and Choctaws talking to one another on the street. I know, y'all don't care. Okay. <laughs> or as Jesus puts it in his Beatitudes, 
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Friend, children of God are, are children of peace, and the world needs makers of peace. But we all want peace, don't we? Where are the places in your life where you seek peace? Or to ask it another way, where are the places in your life that you're fighting? Where is it inside yourself that you're struggling, that you're being torn apart, that you're being worked over each and every day? And don't you yearn for peace? Where is it at your job, fighting amongst coworkers or, or with your boss? Don't you yearn for peace? In your home, are you fighting with your spouse or your children? And don't you yearn for peace? Is there a family will you're fighting over or a, a, a landline with your neighbor that you're fighting over or something? Their dog barks too loud or don't you yearn for peace? Maybe in your school with your teacher. Maybe while you're Christmas shopping, you yearn for peace. while you're going through a divorce, when your nation is at war, when Democrats and Republicans can't seem to talk, when they fight across borders between countries, don't you yearn for peace? Don't you yearn for peace between Jews and Arabs or Jews and Palestinians? Don't you yearn for peace between people of different sexual orientations? Don't you yearn for peace for all the nations of the world? So Jesus comes. Stump of Jesse. Offshoot, branch, to make a way. To make a way for us to God and to make a way for us to reach out to one another. The thing about making peace is that it always starts with confession. I've shared with you before that one of the things I do every day is I look to a little devotional, uh, visual devotional called Sight Psalms through the Board of Discipleship. And one from this week talked about separation, and it said, That which separates us is our own making. That which separates us is our own making. But friends, that which brings us together is of God. And that's what he's calling us to. That's what he's calling us to seek, to look yet to the stump of Jesse once again to see if there's a shoot, see if there's a, a branch coming forth once again, and he invites you to be a part of the tree. It's not a new idea, but it is a new expression. Jesus makes a way. This is God's intent for Jerusalem, for Judea, and eventually the whole earth. It is the hope of Israel. Ralph Turnbull, in a book called If I Only Had One Sermon to Preach, tells the story of visiting an elderly woman whose body was just ravaged by arthritis. He asked her, do you suffer much 
I hope you're not hurting too much. And she responded, yes, but there's no nail here. I have the peace, and he had the nails. There is no crown here. He had the thorns. I have the peace. There is no spear here. He had the spear, but I have the peace. Jesus comes. A shoot from the stump of Jesse. Oh, just to be a leaf on Jesse's tree. Jesus made the way. Friends, now let's follow it. And that's an amen if I ever heard one down there. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Oh, we'll pray for you, buddy. All right. God bless him. (laughs) As we close our service today, may we all be infected with the joy of children, Uh, infected with the ways of peace, called to be peacemakers in all that we do. We're going to sing a kind of a new hymn for us. It's 390, I believe. I've forgotten the name. It's about forgiving one another, but we're going to be singing it to the tune of Amazing Grace. That'll make it easy for you. But I think the words are very important. As we hear the words, as we sing the words, may they speak to us so that we come to understand more and more about what it means to be people of peace and people who hang their hat on Jesse's tree to be a part of making peace in the world today. If you're fighting somehow, may you be delivered from that. And may you learn the ways of Christ who made the way so that we might live in peace. If God's calling you to be a part of this congregation, come and join us at the front as we stand and sing together. Let's stand.